0: Pineapple Pizza podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world.
1: These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion
2: is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is Cryptids of India. I'm your hostess Emily, and with me are the wonderfully witty Ashley and Lindsay. Hi. Hello. Hey ladies, how you doing? You Little know, toasty, we do. but good. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys ready for some really flavorful stuff today? I think we already know from Ashley's episode last week that India is full of flavor.
1: <laughs> we sure do.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Before I serve up tonight's meal, I just wanted to give a shout out for some of our regulars that uh, are repeat customers. So, so we have some repeat customers from Brazil, South Africa, Ireland and the UK, France, France, Poland, the Netherlands, and Canada. And these are just a few of the countries that are represented by our many patrons. And it really makes us, I don't know about you guys. No, I do know about you guys. It makes us just so freaking happy. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It makes us happy. We're really excited to see all these countries from all over the world, people from all over the world, enjoying our quirky little restaurant. I know when we when we started this, one of the big things that we really wanted to do was to be able to bring stories from countries and cultures all over the world together into one place. I know for us as Americans, we are bombarded by stories that are so America centric. Mm-hmm. U.S. centric, even not just not North America, but U.S. centric. And it was really important for us to be able to have that chance to recognize other countries and cultures and kind of the cool stuff that happens all over the world that I don't think gets enough attention, at least not here. Mm-hmm. So I think it's we're, we're excited to see that we have these customers coming back.
1: Yeah, it feels good. And it's like nice, too, because we're, I feel like we are all learning things about these other cultures and when we get to share those stories and share like our feelings and our reactions to those things, it feels good to know that we are actually connecting with people who are from those cultures.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Mm hmm. And I know for me, it's, it's always interesting to learn something new and with each of the stories and the cryptids and things like that, there are still aspects of it that are very similar to what we experience or what we've heard. So it's kind of interesting to hear that regardless of where you are in the world, a lot of our yeah. legends and things like that are sim- are very similar.
2: hmm We all have that shared past and yeah. we're more alike than we think.
1: It makes you feel very connected to something, which I don't know about anybody else, but I really need to feel connected now more than Mm -hmm. ever because Mm -hmm. I feel isolated a lot. So it's really nice.
2: Mm -hmm. This really kind of pushed me to look into other things that I might not have ever looked into before. I might not have ever gone to look up cryptids in India in the past. But this pushed me to look into it and find out all like. These really cool and crazy ideas that they have and it's not just and it's everybody. Mm-hmm. It's so creative. It's amazing. I love it. We so we 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 thank you so much for stopping by each week. It means a lot to us.
1: Thanks guys. Yeah. We love you so much, even though we've never met you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true,
2: but we know you're there. Mm-hmm. We know you stopped by for a slice. All right, so today I have two hearty courses for us. And I kind of wanted to preface, this is really true for basically everything that we do, but for my two stories in particular, both of them, the major writings come from people out of Europe writing about what they learned, quote, you know, air quotes, learned about cryptids in India or trying, they translate mm-hmm. writings from, from Hindi I think it's important to, to remember that these are European views on things from India and to understand that that might not 100% represent the way people in India necessarily feel about this. I do try my best to pull in sources from every region that we mm-hmm. research to try and make sure that I'm capturing those voices and that I'm not pulling only from English writers. So just mm-hmm. a heads up, my two stories, they were definitely based primarily off of writers from Europe. All right, so for my two courses for today, the first one is a combo platter of crocata and lu crocata. Have either of you guys heard of these things before? Oh, no. I That's going to be a big No. <laughs> i only heard of them through supernatural thank you supernatural supernatural is like my source for
3: everything oh man
2: then (laughs) once
1: you start talking about it i'm probably gonna be annoyed that i didn't remember the name of it because i've watched so much supernatural it's like not even funny
2: When I get to talking about the episode that it's in, you're going to be like, I remember that one because it was a good episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there are, in my defense, I know there's over 200 of them because I watched the first 200 for sure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my sources for this platter are a page on Lucrocata from Theoy.com. A translated chapter of Pliny the Elder's Natural History on the Perseus Digital Library at Tufts.edu. A page on the... I did not translate that one. (laughs) (laughs) Fanations. Ancient animal hunts. I don't know. On (laughs) UChicago.edu. I had to look it up. I'm saying, I don't know what that is. It means ancient animal hunts. A cryptids fandom page on the Crocata. And an unknownexplorers.com page on the same topic. A BrynMarr.edu page about the making of Roman India. And finally, a 2016 Life Science article about hyenas.
1: What? I'm excited already because I just heard (laughs) hyenas and I know what those are.
0: I recognize that animal. (laughs) That is familiar.
1: I love their crazy laugh and it also makes my blood run a little cold.
2: (laughs) Every time I think of hyenas, I think of Lion King and that one hyena that's like the <laughs> <Ed>. <laughs>
0: yes. I still have at my parents' place an Ed toy from like McDonald's where you like push on his legs and he rocks back and forth like he's laughing. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'll have to see if I could find it and take a picture of it that we can share so we can share it with this episode.
2: That would be amazing. Why is it that all the Eds are like, the hook? Huh? because Ed, Ed, and Eddie It's
0: <laughs> the same way. <laughs> Sorry, Eds of the world. <laughs> it also tracks for uh, Edward Cullen because he did have kind of a vacant expression on his face during Twilight, so.
2: Never watched Twilight. I, I can't, I can't say I know that reference.
0: I knew. I g- <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree with me that he had a bit of a like vacant stare most of the time?
1: I do, but also I was frequently distracted by his hair, which I'm not sure was ever washed. But hey, that's
0: what
2: Well, that's going to work out well for my second story, but we'll tie that in a little later. All right, shall we get into it? Yeah, yes, let's please. do it. All right. The earliest written description of the Crocata comes from the Greek historian Theseus and was written in the 4th century BCE. So that's 500 BCE for those of you who don't speak centuries. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! He describes a fearsome animal called the Crocatus, which he says is vulgarly known as the... I even wrote it out for myself... (laughs) <laughs> Sinolychus. Sinolychus. Apparently, I'm not very good at writing it out for myself, but I did write it out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter, what you got there.
2: Yeah, so it's the Sinolychus. He says that this animal, which imitates the human voice to lure its victims, is possessed <gasps> of amazing bravery, strength, and speed, and no steel weapon can kill it.
1: Oh my God, I totally remember this from Supernatural now.
2: Yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> You're going to love it when we get to that part. Then in 77, Common Era, so that's CE, AD for those of you who haven't. Caught up to the times, get with it. Pliny the Elder wrote a book in which he also described these creatures. The book was part of a series that he wrote entitled Natural History, which is, you know, all in Latin. So it isn't actually called Natural History; it's like Naturally History. I don't know. I like how you put a
0: twang on that. That's how I want to hear all Latin now. (laughs) Plinius Historicus. (laughs)
2: Oh, my God. So, so, okay, so this whole thing's written in Latin, but uh, I don't read Latin very well anymore, so I read a translated version. (laughs) So, what I actually read was translated chapter 30 from book 8 of Natural History, written by Pliny the Elder, in case anybody forgot where we were at in the story. (laughs) 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 So, that translation was provided by perseus.tufts.edu. And in this, in this translation, he really simply describes the crocotta as being an animal found in Ethiopia that looks like it was, quote, produced by the union of the wolf and the dog, end quote. Mm-hmm. Ah, <laughs> So mangy? I mean, a wolf and a dog, like...
1: They're already related, guys. I don't know yeah. how you would know that by looking at it. Like, oh, that's a wolf-dog hybrid.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it seems... Like, I thought it seemed really redundant because how many times have you seen a dog that looks like a wolf? You're like, did that person actually adopt a wolf? I've seen it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought it was a weird description, but that's how he described it. He also said that the creature can break anything with its teeth and has the ability to instantly digest any food it eats. Which made me think of it instantly. Made me think of babies. You know how the second you put something in a baby, they're instantly
0: shitting. <laughs> like, you talking like about the like second it poly, comes in
2: it goes back out.
0: Polly Poopsie Doll. <laughs> yes. I just pictured it said it could break anything with its jaws, like a like a dire wolf with like the lock jaw mouth it's just like all mm-hmm. metal teeth.
1: No, oh, I'm over here like let's make it bite a diamond. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, I'm gonna test this. I wanna know, damn it, for science.
2: Cut. <laughs> okay, so we have a creature that's gonna try to break some diamonds with its teeth, and then it's instantly going to shit because that's how this works.
0: <laughs> This are shit diamonds. <laughs> I was just
1: thinking that's going to be the most expensive poop in here.
0: <laughs> that would be amazing. You thought the coffee poop was expensive? Coffee poop is something
2: special, man. I've never tried it. I don't know that I ever will. I'm too poor to try it. So yeah. that's true it is expensive. I don't have any money so that's not going to happen. <laughs> Fancy people get up in the morning. Did you brew your poop this morning? No, sweetheart, I didn't have the butler do it.
1: Oh my god. People have butlers still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> Ugh, that seems fake to me but I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Master Wayne, here's your poop. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Only I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, poor Alfred. <laughs> so Pliny goes on to describe another Ethiopian <laughs> animal named the Lucrocata or Lucrata, which he says is quote, a wild beast of extraordinary swiftness, the size of the wild ass, with the legs of a stag, the neck, tail, and breast of a lion, the head of a badger. A cloven hoof, the mouth, this is gross, the mouth slid up as far as the ears and one one continuous bone instead of teeth. So it's like a plate. Mm Kind of gross, huh? I don't like it. I don't like it either. So for anybody who doesn't know off the top of their head what a cloven hoof is, it's just a hoof that's divided into two. So like a pig's hoof or a goat's hoof or, you know, if you're really religious, the devil's the devil.
1: hoof. devil, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Satan? <laughs> Satan? Is that you? Don't switch the letters around because then it's Santa and I don't think
2: he has a cloven
0: hoof. <laughs> Maybe he does. He's always wearing boots. No, but he
2: has the... Um, Krampus. Krampus. which doesn't that have cloven hoofs? I, I think honestly
0: it is.
1: I'm not sure but probably because let's be honest it's Krampus he kind of looks like the devil so
2: <laughs> well maybe I'll co- cover him for our uh, Christmas cryptids episode oh there my go. god
1: please do because I will probably never emotionally recover but I will enjoy it
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's some really good Christmas cryptids we'll have to get to so when I was reading the description of the Lu Crocata and the, like the smile, I instantly thought of the Kuchisaka Ona. Yeah. Like with that why. huge bleh, It was just such a gross picture or it kind of reminded me of the devil of Lake Le- of Labinkier Lake with the really big mouth.
0: Oh, the Beetlejuice looking thing?
2: Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> so I'm just picturing just, just this nightmare of a creature. So at that's least, the Lu Crocata. At least it doesn't have a narwhal horn this time. That's true, that's true. No, it just has lion boobs. And a badger head.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Is it like an English badger that has like the black and the white? Because those are cute. Is there more than one kind? I don't do do mammals. I don't know. Uh, There's more than one kind of badger. (laughs) Is it a honey badger? Because then it's just going to rip your face off.
1: Oh. Oh my god, you would bring up honey badgers. (laughs)
0: They don't give a fuck.
2: The well, honey badger, he don't care. <laughs> Mm-mm. Then in the second century common era, so that's the 100s, the, the 100s years, y'all. So 100 to 199 for anybody who doesn't speak centuries. Another Greek naturalist and historian, Elian, relates what he's been told about Koro Kotae, which is like it's the crocata. It's just another way of writing it because he's Greek. So he writes it a little differently. Everybody has to make this really freaking complicated for me to pronounce. <laughs> Thank you, ancient Greeks.
1: Hey, they gave us a lot of <laughs> bullshit. Oh, they, they, <laughs> they did. It's also, true.
2: The, the other day I was explaining to my dad how the plural of octopus is octopuses because the the root of the word octopus is actually in Greek. It would be octopi if it was Latin. It's octopuses. And he's like, no, that's not right. And then he hello Googled it and he was so mad. Google's like, it's octopuses.
0: I'm like, oh, told you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I know some stuff. Okay, so back to uh, alien. When he's talking about the the crocotta, he says that these animals are said to lurk in wooded areas and listen to people speaking to each other and especially to them calling each other by name. And then what it's going to do is it, it will mimic the sound of a human voice and call out the name that it's heard, which is mm. creepy. Damn. As the person it's calling approaches, it'll go deeper and deeper into the woods and just slowly lure, keep calling and luring the person until they're just so far away and then it'll attack them. I don't like and that. And eat them. Apparently eat them and then instantly poop them out. Diamond dust. Although I suppose that's better Brenna. than like, like the Yara Mayahu where you would be puked back
1: up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want tra- to think about that. Ooh, that was like the worst one we've done so far. I did not like those. <laughs> Tasty dinner. Bleh. We have a cool name, but stop barfing people up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why nobody likes you.
2: (laughs) So Elian, he says it sounds a bit fantastical, but he wanted to relay it nonetheless. So he's saying this, you know, I'm getting this story in and it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but I'm going to tell you about it just like I do. When I relate stuff, it sounds ridiculous, but it's also really cool. So I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> so Okay, so far, every ancient author has only mentioned Ethiopia. And what does this have to do with India? I went Because I went down a freaking rabbit hole with this because there's apparently there's a whole nother line of this going on in Ethiopia. Had, and I had to pull myself back and be like, no, this is an episode about India. There were a few other ancient important guys those bigwigs, who mentioned the creature in relation to India. And they said that the animals arrived from India for the games. So those are like gladiator style games. Hmm. They described an animal that looks like a dog-fox hybrid with the combined coloration of both a lioness and a tiger. Does this sound like anything we know right now?
1: I mean, some of the characteristics definitely match. There's no badger head, though. (laughs) Yeah. The lion part makes sense. The dog part, that sounds like fox I could see maybe being in the mix and not having made it. But like the badger head kind of thrown me off a little bit.
2: I guess when we get a little bit later and we start talking about the, the real life inspiration for these, you'll kind of you'll be able to picture it with okay. the badger head. Okay.
0: It took me a while to be like, oh, yeah, you mentioned hyenas at the top. It's probably supposed to be yeah. a hyena. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, I was like adding the different characteristics in my head. Like I was drawing it in my head. Like, OK, so there's a little bit of, of this, a little bit of that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a bit weird when you're just hearing, when you're just reading the descriptions. You, you can't picture this animal. It sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Not as ridiculous as, you know, a, a beaver duck hybrid again. But still, it's up there. <laughs>
0: I was so just thinking
2: the, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the platypus. The, these other historians that were talking about it in relation to India, they said that this also mimics human voices. They, so they actually saw this in the games. Okay. So they saw a live animal. It wasn't just something they were being told. They saw a live animal come to the games.
0: And what year was this again?
2: These This was just multiple other historians in the centuries right around the same time. Okay. It was like one hundred to three hundreds, so okay. second to fourth mm-hmm. century. Okay. Interestingly, several of these authors, including a- Elian, who is one of the ones I just mentioned, either directly call the animal a species of hyena, or they lump them in with descriptions of hyenas. So they're like, it kind of it's like a hyena, or they actually call it out as a hyena, but they also call it by this other name. Okay. So in the centuries that have elapsed since these first written accounts, the Crocotta has had a few modifications, unsurprisingly. According to cryptids.fandom.com webpage on the animal, it picked up an interesting special ability during the Middle Ages. And during that time, they were said to have striped eyes that were made of gems that people could put under their tongues to give them the special powers that basically turned a person into an oracle. So you have to pop the eyeballs out of this thing and then just, like, let that thing chill under your tongue. Nope. I'm good.
1: No, please no one ever do
2: that. (laughs) Don't do it. No. That that goes back to that Beetlejuice thing with the the
0: eyeballs.
1: Oh, no, I don't. No. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm good with not doing any sort of eye stuff so yeah
1: mm-hmm. that's here's the thing i agree so i always had a problem with eye stuff but i don't know if anyone's ever seen like the weird surrealist movie Un Chien andaloo which translates to the Andalusian dog. If you have an eye thing, don't watch it because it's going to be 3,000 times worse afterwards. Thanks, nope. Salvador Dali. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you nope. have ruined my eyeballs forever. Um, it's, there's the scene with an eyeball and a razor blade, and that's all I'm going <laughs> to no, say. No, no, no. Nope. No, nope. just, nope, don't watch it. Did nobody ever watch it? Don't watch it.
2: Mm-hmm. Ugh, eyeballs make me so uncomfortable. All right, let's let's, uh, <laughs> let's move away from the discomfort. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit more, less about eyeballs. Some more modern depictions of the animal show it as being kind of like a yellowish in color with either spots or stripes, both of which are, can be found on different species of hyena. And from what I could gather from the various sites, the crocotta is a result of a lion and a hyena pairing. They make. So they get together and they make a baby, one funky baby. And then if the crocata mates with a lion again, so like basically mating with one version of its parent, a lu crocata is produced, which as a, as a biologist, I don't agree with this potential explanation for the no, lu crocata. That doesn't work. No, it doesn't. The kind of pairing where an organism is crossed with another organism that has like the same genetic characteristics as one of its parents like in this case, a lion. That's called a back cross. You, so you cross two two different species, and then you back cross it with one of its parents. And generally, the result of something like that, the offspring of something like that, it's going to share more characteristics with that that second parent. So the one that you're back crossing to. In this case, it should be more lion-like. If that makes sense. Yeah, like it does. I'm working with chestnuts. The American chestnut is crossed with the Chinese chestnut. To try and get a more American-like chestnut, they (laughs) backcross it with another American to to make it more American-like. So it shouldn't, that that doesn't make this crazy animal with like a plate and a smile that's like...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just like mathematically, that's not how it works, guys. Yeah. (laughs)
0: No.
2: (laughs) So regardless, the crocata has become a creature that uh, now is considered in some instances to have the ability to switch genders as needed. Occasionally, it is known to shapeshift, and sometimes they even appear human, and they can now be killed by weapons. But to be fair, Pliny, and I think it was TZ's way back, who said they can't be killed by steel weapons, they didn't have guns, so <laughs> they can't really judge. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they could switch genders. And now some of this... It's hard to say because Ethiopia and India both share stories as a crocodile and the Lu crocodile. There's some overlap of what's coming from Ethiopia and what's coming from India. Mm. It's hard to pull them apart. Uh, either way, this thing likes to eat animals, like dogs and chattel, but it really likes to eat people. It's going to be happy with the dog. It's like, hey, that's cool. I don't care. But it wants a it wants a person. There are some purported sightings of the animals in the southern U.S., which I thought was really interesting, in areas such as Texas. But I couldn't find any like direct accounts. I just only found rumors of them being in Texas and south southern United States.
0: I like that. Well, no, you guys
2: wouldn't have known that because
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's just funny. Don't they have a base of everything else? Why not? (laughs) Aren't there like supposed to be chupacabras on like the border and stuff too? in texas mm-hmm. they're just chilling out together
2: and that that could be some of the confusion is is it a chupacabra is it a leucrocata is it a crocata we don't know it's something with an uh
0: is it an apricotabra <laughs> it's a mix of two <laughs> it's an uh i don't know <laughs> it's that weird looking and it's making me scared Shoot it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Either way, watch your small
2: animals because they're going to probably be dinner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One thing that I found really interesting while researching this creature was that, from what I could tell, it's, it's only reported in India and Ethiopia, aside from that rumor from the U.S. It's reported in these two countries that are really nowhere near each other in modern geography. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but... The original accounts come from ancient historians, and that would have a lot to do with relations between Rome and India. So I dug a little bit deeper into that. And as I had kind of suspected, and I bet you suspect too, Rome kind of had two two perspectives of India. They had like the physical location and then the cultural representation, which likely had a like a much bigger footprint than the country itself actually did, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, mm-hmm. so the Roman idea of India was bigger than the country itself. So it's possible that the creatures were reported in countries such as Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Yemen, but that the people in those countries were kind of lumped in with either India or Ethiopia cultures, Ethi- Ethiopian cultures by by the ancients. So I think that's most likely what happened and why we see that kind of, now we see it as two distinct things, but back then they would have lumped it all together, especially because we we know how conquering countries do. They go in and they're like, oh, you're not like a unique individual culture. We're just going to call you all barbarians. When it comes to pop culture, the, these cryptids pop up quite frequently as the name of movies or bands. Though, from what I could tell, the names don't necessarily relate to the cryptid in any way. Apparently, the creators just really like the name.
1: Well, that's how band names usually
2: seem to work in
1: my experience. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think this sounds metal, so this
2: is what I'm going to call my band. And I'm pretty sure it was like a hardcore band that has the name Lou Crocata. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That tracks. (laughs) And I spent like, there's a short film. It's a 30-minute film on... Hulu or Amazon I can't remember called Crocata and I was like oh cool I'm gonna go watch this and see some some new movie about the Crocata now it's like some military film had nothing to do with it I was disappointed. I made it like halfway, and I'm going, when are they going to get to the (laughs) crocodile? So, yeah, don't waste your time on that one. If you're interested in the creatures, you're not going to find it there. But my personal favorite pop culture reference was Season 3, Episode 14 of Supernatural. And this is, in this episode, our good old boy, Sam and Dean, they traveled to Milan, Ohio, where people have reported receiving calls from their deceased loved ones.
1: Yep. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and uh, like occasionally even seeing them in in reflective surfaces on occasion. So, so what happens is that the lost loved ones will call over and over until the receiver takes their own life to join the voice at the other end of the phone. And initially the guys think that it's a case of the Edison spirit phone, especially uh, I think they, they receive a call from their dad. So that really gets them thinking like this has to be the Edison spirit phone. And the idea of hearing from the father that they really... Idolized nearly drives Dean to madness until Sam learns from one of the intended victims that the spirits had been uttering a very specific phrase, "Come to me," Ooh. and that's when he realizes it's a crocata who had been working for the phone company.
0: Yep, it's like the BTK of cryptids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like <laughs> it. really, not really, but that's where my head went. <laughs>
2: It, it, it kind of fits though. If you think about the way that the crocodile from India and Ethiopian lore, they kind of lure you out that come to me. They keep calling to you to follow them out to your doom. It fits. So um, the version in the show was really reminiscent of like their ideas of Leviathan, but more, kind of more soul sucky instead of actual people eating. So if you if you watch this episode, they don't really look like the way Krokata are described from ancient myths and stuff. The obvious natural explanation for Krokata is the hyena. I didn't transition that very well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert! It's a <laughs> hyena. <laughs> okay,
2: so, so in, in the show, that like the the crocata kind of like sucks the soul out of a person instead of eating it, and that's pretty much that's the supernatural version. So now I'm gonna transition <laughs> segue <laughs> into what the natural explanation for crocata is, and that's the hyena, <laughs> and. The, <laughs> There's obviously a lot of evidence that the description of the Crocata actually arose from sightings of hyenas and encounters with hyenas. And it's really actually so strong that the scientific name of the spotted hyena, also known as the laughing hyena, the one that people think is sounds like people, is Crocutta Crocutta. Oh. That's the scientific name. Both striped and spotted hyenas range from northwestern Africa to India, which would fit the various kind of descriptions of both spotted and striped crocata, though the spotted hyena is the only one said to mimic human laughter or voices. They're uh, they're also really fast, too. I was reading about hyenas. They can The spotted mm-hmm. hyena, the one that mimics human voice, can run up to 37 miles per hour or 60 kilometers per hour, mm-hmm. which I, I can imagine to people in ancient greece and rome would seem like it was incredibly swift and that was one of the characteristics is that these things are really fast especially when like your idea of the maximum amount of horsepower is like four Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so based on this information i think it's probably highly reasonable to suspect that the the cryptid arose from frightening encounters with hyenas i think that makes sense Mm -hmm. so the cryptid the crocata new crocata Likely hyenas. But I had just one little fun fact about hyenas before we go check on our second course. Although they appear dog-like, they're actually much more closely related to cats. What? Hmm. Yeah, they're from like the same, it's not the same genus, it's like the same order. Felines. Yep, they're they're felines.
1: That's cool. Hmm. I didn't didn't just do that kingdom phylum class order family genus species thing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, I'm a biologist and I don't have them all memorized. You <laughs> probably did better than I do. I was like,
1: wait, which fucking one is that again? Run the list, run the
2: list. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. I think skunks are there too. I think skunks are actually more closely related to cats. Well
1: in the or, sense they're a little feeling. in the sense that skunks and cats are both assholes. I
2: totally agree.
0: <laughs> and skunks smell like assholes. So <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, so we will give you a moment to let that lovely little taste settle. Don't stick anything <laughs> under your tongue, please. Yes. <laughs> While we go check on the final course for the night.
1: If anyone's out there, blink twice and keep living.
3: Hi, Teamsters. I'm Carrie Ann. And I'm Allison. And this is a Podcast Without an Audience, where two friends pick two topics and find intersectionality. We are a psychology and history podcast. We say psychology. My background is actually in social work. So I'll be covering topics in psychology, social work, and sociology. And by history, I mean anything from people, places, and things to historical tragedies and events basically how we're all connected. It's like a book club without the books. Each Thursday, we find intersectionality between our topics. Or not. You can find us on social media at pod without an odd. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook or join us on the web at podcast an We are an independent podcast. So to support us, you can join us on Patreon where you can get behind the scenes content and our pasta recipe. Join us in discovering what connects us all. And if you support us, blink twice. And if you're out there, keep listening.
2: All right, I hope you saved room for our final course of the night. Be careful though, because this meal bites back.
0: Uh Uh-oh, foreshadowing. That was terrible.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We
1: went different ways. We went very different ways musically. I was like, Dun, Dun, Dun.
2: (laughs) And I was like,
1: Star Trek, Star Wars. (laughs) The Theremin. Oh my God,
2: don't Theremin me. (laughs) Sheldon (laughs) Cooper, (laughs) get out of here. I will be serving up a hearty helping of the Indian vampire known as the Vitala Vital or Bital. And this was actually a recommendation from Lindsay. Yay! I don't know if you remember recommending this. You sent it to me a while ago.
0: I vaguely remember. I was like, this sounds vaguely familiar.
2: <laughs> All right, so I have quite a few sources for this one also. My sources were a scanned version of the 1870s book. No, 1870 book, Vikram and the Vampire, provided by Bur- Bur- Buroniana? org. There we go. A 2017 Live History India article entitled Vikram and Vital, The Tales of a Spirit. A 2020 Atlas Obscure article by Emma Gross. I'm not going to say the title of it because it kind of gives away part of my story. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of those, a 2009 Vampires.com page about the Vitala, a 2018 The Hindu article by Aditi Sen and Alak Sharma, and I'm not going to give the name for that one either. Hopefully I did not butcher those names. I apologize if I did. Two Mysterious Universe articles and the Wikipedia page on Vitala. So are you ready for this? Yes. The story of these beings goes back to at least the third century CE, so that's 200s. Again, for those of you who don't speak century, (laughs) practice, people. Come on, practice. It's not that hard. Just the tracked one. Come on, let's go. Anyway, though those original writings have been lost to time, probably due in part to the many languages that have been spoken throughout the region over the centuries. The earliest written records that still survives dates to an 11th century collection of the stories called Baital Pachisi which were translated during the 19th century by Englishman Sir Richard Burton. Oh, that's what that webpage was, Burtonian.org. Okay, I get it now. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this has been a real time holy I moment. It's like I can't figure out how to pronounce this damn webpage. <laughs> 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 Such a dumbass. <laughs> God, oh, God. I swear to God, I'm not this stupid all the time. <laughs> So I read his translated version of the story. So this is an Englishman. Remember how I talked at the beginning how a lot of these were coming from Italians, Grecians, Englishmen. So he wrote a translated version of this story. Take that as you will because he openly said that he embellished parts of it. So I I actually read two versions. I read his version and another translated version. Let me tell you the other translated version was not nearly as colorful as his. So I read his translated version of the story which was scanned onto bertoniana.org. <laughs> <laughs> Call back <laughs> to find his early description of what a Vitale looks and acts like. So I focused primarily on the introduction and the final chapter, but kind of perused through the other stories, which were extremely repetitive. So I did not read the whole thing through. It was like, it was several hundred pages of basically just the same exact thing happening over and over again. And like Ashley doing, um, I think, Dobrenya. She's oh, like, no, yeah. it's the same thing. We're just freezing by that. So in this very first translation to English, the creature is described as a spirit that haunts cemeteries and places where bodies were burned, and it has the ability to possess the bodies of the dead. Sick. I love it. It's pretty yeah. gross, isn't it?
1: It is not it I love it already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I think it can possess the bodies of the living, but it just particularly likes the bodies of the dead for some reason. Maybe it just really likes to freak people out. It's probably know.
0: easier to overtake them if there's nothing going on upstairs.
2: Maybe. The, though there are plenty of people that are alive that there's nothing going on. I mean, I can't figure out Burtoniana.org. Yeah. And, it, and it's all about
0: Burton. I don't feel bad. So,
2: this story is about King Vikram who went to capture a Vitala and bring it back to an ascetic. That's the one that they live that really like, they wear the hair shirts and they, they live as hermits, the religious hermits. <laughs> Did I say it right, Ashley, or is it ascetic?
1: I think that I'm pretty sure that's right. I mean, it's been a while for me, but that's definitely the thing that you're describing is what I was thinking of when you said it. Yeah, it's a
2: religious hermit.
1: Everyone loves a hair shirt, Lindsay. (laughs) Everyone.
2: (laughs) So scratchy.
0: Uh (laughs) Don't forget to cool your hair shirt. (laughs) Condition.
2: <laughs> oh. It's gonna be like that episode he did about the the wigs and like how tall they got and all the wig <laughs> snatching with the and shit. Oh. <laughs> oh no! Now my head's gonna itch. Oh no! <laughs> so he went to capture the Vitala for this ascetic, ascetic whatever who had promised to use his magic around the king. I guess I don't really know why that's something special to use your magic around the king i didn't see like what in both of my readings i didn't see any kind of like outright promise of any benefit to the king but the king's like
0: sweet he probably just wanted to be entertained i am ugh, i imagine there had
2: to be something he was gonna gain from that otherwise why would you go mess with this thing
0: maybe he had a dead loved one where he's like show me a show me a trick ew oh, ew no. ew i went
1: the wrong <laughs> way with it i went the wrong way with it. <laughs> <laughs> No, necrophilia is bad. Bring back my sister.
2: <laughs> oh, King Skinwalkers. St- yep, secretly wanted to become a skinwalker. <laughs>
0: oh, gross. Don't do it. It's, it's not incest if she's already dead. No, uh, no. <laughs> Barf. Oh, God. <laughs>
2: Uh, You can't get that uh, out of your mouth. Uh. (laughs) Nope. All right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when Vikram first came upon the Vitala, what he saw was a corpse suspended upside down by a rope from a tree hanging from a branch. But it wasn't just any old corpse that he saw. According to Burton, it had greenish brown eyes that were wide open and basically dead. There was like no life, no light behind those eyes. So they're wide open and its skeletal body was brown all over. So it kind of looked like jerky. It had brown hair, brown skin, and just he described it as an overdried coconut. It's holding onto the tree by its toes like, quote, a flying fox, which I was like, what the fuck is a flying fox? But apparently that's actually how bats were described in India at the time. Oh, okay. I had to look that one up. I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, bats? <laughs> bats. <laughs> yep, that's a uh, flying fox is a bat. Well, I Which mean, I could see it if you look at the face.
1: Bats are kind of like winged puppies. So it's like, I could kind of imagine. I could see it. I can see it. Mm-hmm. I
2: honestly think bats are kind of cute. I they're, do too. Their cool. little bitty faces.
1: You're like, ooh,
2: I am the knight. (laughs) (laughs) With the little hands up here. (laughs) Fear me. (laughs) I'm going to to eat your mosquitoes. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing that King Vikram sees, it's skinny, its muscles are pulled really taut across its bones. It's hanging upside down like a bat and its skin when he touched it it was clammy and ice cold so it appeared to contain no blood it was just like it was dead dead the only thing that gave any possible indication of life was a goat like tail which had a switch like a switching motion so like it's swishing back and forth which i want to know why if it's inhabiting the body of a dead person does it suddenly have a goat like tail where did this thing come from i'm pretty sure most people don't have goat like tails (laughs)
1: god I have a secret I've been meaning. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding! I do not have a freaking tail. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like that
2: uh oh god, what's that Jack Black movie where he Shallow Hal Shallow Hal Yes With the, the one dude that has the tail. Yeah, he has yep. a vestigial tail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. that's
1: horrifying. I'm gonna sleep thinking about that later. Woo!
0: Maybe <laughs> 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 uh. That's what it was. Let's let's just go with that.
2: Goat like vestigial tail. Yes. Sure. All right. And it's wagging back and forth like a Jack Russell little nub. Oh,
0: I'm excited that to see you. So... <laughs> oh, there's somebody alive. <laughs> I'm going to play it dead, but I'm so excited.
2: <laughs> Reasonably assuming that the creature was dead, Vikram cut it down. But when it hit the ground, the thing started to make this really wretched wailing sound. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's screaming and crying and wailing. And Vikram's like, identify yourself, because that works when something screaming and wailing is to yell in its face, right? But when he did that, it just busted out laughing and flew away to return to its upside down perch. It's like, <laughs> yeah, fucking right. Bye. He kept trying to cut this thing down and then it would go back up and over and over repeated until he finally manages to capture it. And then he tells it that he's taking it back to the ascetic. The vitala responded that it would go with the king, but there were some conditions to the agreement, which honestly just can kind of confuse the heck out of me when I read these conditions. Because from what I could understand, the Vatala, the idea was that the vitala would ask the king a riddle. And if the king knew the answer, then the vitala would go free. Right. Mm -hmm. But if he didn't know the answer, then the Vatala would go with him to the ascetic, aesthetic, whatever. So that it was really weird. Like if you don't, why wouldn't you just fake it that you don't know the answer? So that's going to come with you. Like it was weird. The the whole riddle thing. I saw on a few sites that there, that uh, if the king lied about not, if he pretended that he didn't know something, then he'd like explode into a million pieces. But I didn't see that in either of the translated versions that I read. So I don't know where that came from. So either way, this whole riddle thing is kind of weird to me.
1: I think I think someone yeah. was like, "Hey, that's a plot hole. How can we fix that? If why yeah. you, you blow up?" <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird, but um, that's that's kind of what I gathered was that if he gets it wrong, then then the. Vital is going to go with him. And that's kind of what I gathered from what followed. And this is where the story really became very repetitive because it's 24 chapters of the Vitala asking a riddle. It's like this whole chapter long riddle. The Vitala is just talking the whole time and Vikram saying not a freaking word until like the last two paragraphs of any chapter. And then the king knew the answer to all these riddles. I kind of gathered that the king was kind of, he almost seemed like he was compelled to give the answer. So maybe that's how it worked. Like you couldn't lie. You're compelled to tell the truth. Not sure. But each time the Vitala would go back and hang itself upside down from the tree again. And then the king would be like, chop, chop, bring it down, uh, wash, wrench, repeat kind of thing. It wasn't until the last riddle that the king became stumped. In this riddle, a king and his son rescue and marry a princess and her mother, the queen. So the prince marries the queen and the king marries the princess. The question that King Vikram could not answer was what would be the relationship between the children of these two unions? Kind of a weird one. It's a mm-hmm. tough one to describe. It takes a little bit of thinking. Every website was like, oh, it's such an incestuous question. It's such..." So he's not asking if they're getting together. That's not incestuous. Do you know what incest means? Apparently not. Mm-hmm. It's not saying those little babies get together. But anyway, the king couldn't answer it. So then the Vitala agreed to go with him to the ascetic, ascetic, whatever, I don't know that word, but first warned him that the holy man would turn on the king and kill him. So the Vitala's is kind of warning him, beware. beware. He says, so he says, I'm going to go with you. But as soon as he tells the king that this guy's going to turn on you, he's like, peace. He leaves the corpse and went his own way. <laughs> 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 and that's pretty, much, that's pretty much the original depiction of the creature. There was a little more to the story, but it's not really important to what we're talking about here as to what the Vitala is. That's what I read as Sir Richard Burton's translation and depiction of this character. One thing that was alluded to in what I read but was not said outright from what I saw was that the Vatala are almost kind of like omniscient creatures that they have the ability to see the past, present, and future. So they're almost like all-knowing in a sense. Mm -hmm. Based on how... This thing seems to know everything that's going on around it and everything that has been and will will yet come. That's what I picked up on, is that these are all-knowing beings. The ancient version of the being, though considered to be a demon and most certainly something dangerous, it, it talks about wanting to inhabit Vikram's corpse, so it's probably something dangerous. It seems to be kind of more of a trickster than a malevolent being, per se. Okay. It was actually Burton who chose to call the creature a vampire, which I thought was interesting, rather than a spirit or demon. And that that kind of his choice to call it a vampire would forever change how India itself would perceive
0: this creature. Interesting.
2: It's like some British guy in the 1800s completely changes how India views one of its own creations. Following the admittedly far from literal translation by Burton, stories and depictions of the Batala changed quite a bit and it became a much more fearsome creature. And this is largely thanks to Bram Stoker. Yep. Mm. <laughs> And this is why I didn't want to give away some of my titles. According to Atlas Obscura, Stoker kind of fanboyed over Burton, and he was super into his writings about India and the occult. So there is certainly a faction of people who believe that these stories inspired characteristics of Stoker's Dracula, at least in some part. Mm hmm. Although there are certain aspects of the character of Dracula, such as his climbing skills and his ability to transform into a bat and uh, his, like, like his his powers of enchantment and wisdom that spans centuries, I think that's really kind of where the similarities end. Because mm-hmm. if you take a look at Dracula, the way those vampires work, they have to totally drain the blood, suck the life out of a creature and, or a person, and then they inhabit them as a spirit. But this is like, the Vitala are different. They, they're not going in to drain your lifeblood or anything. Mm-hmm. At that time, prior to Bram Stoker taking this and making it kind of Dracula version, Vitala didn't bite people. And it definitely didn't cause them to become vampires. It didn't transform people into vampires at all. And when they fed, they would just kind of like occupy a body until they were, it would occupy a body and turn it into this bloodless husk and then they'd peace out. But they didn't stay in that body forever. They'd use up what they needed to and then they'd go. If okay. they occupied a live person or a recently deceased person. They definitely didn't occupy the same body for centuries. And what bodies they didn't it didn't retain the memories of the dead, of the deceased. Like vampires often do. They, they're they supposed to retain like the memories of life. They literally just kind of like move into this vacant property and take it over. Modern depictions of the demons see them as like seriously dark and dangerous characters. So it's really different than Vikram and the Vitala. As with many of the cryptids we discuss on the show, the the descriptions vary, but for something that's been around for nearly 2,000 years, it's really not that surprising that it's kind of all over the place. Modern vitala are hostile spirits that, according to occultworld.com, are created whenever a deceased child is buried without the proper funeral rites, which is sad. They're found in the woods, cemeteries, living in stones, and basically anywhere isolated and creepy. I don't know why living in a stone.
0: Yeah, how do you live in a stone?
2: I don't know, but
0: apparently they do it. Doesn't sound fun. No,
2: that's stone cold boredom right there.
0: (laughs) I see what you did there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ashley did not appreciate that one. just like, that's so dumb. Oh, okay, they can and will possess the living as well as the dead, and this is in the modern version. And uh, when they possess someone, they will cause some pretty nightmarish transformations to occur to the body. So skin will turn green, white, or brown, and the face might kind of start to look bat-like. The fingernails will grow grotesquely long, and they become poisonous. Mm-mm. And this is the grossest part of all. I hate this part. I did not like reading it. The hands and the feet will be twisted backwards. No. No.
1: no. Isn't that gross? <laughs> no,
2: don't do that. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, Why did you do that? <laughs> Came across that in my reading. I was like, nope, 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 can't do it. This happens a lot in India. A lot of their cryptids had feet that were turned backwards. I wonder what that is. No, I have no idea. I'd have to look into it. I I really don't know. What do you guys think the favorite victim of a vitala would be? Given all you know about cryptids, what do you think the favorite victims are going to be?
1: Is it women and children? (gasps) Ding, 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 ding.
2: ding. 20 points to Gryffindor. (laughs) You're such a nerd.
0: (laughs) Of course it's ladies and kids. Why wouldn't it be?
1: Can't be uh, picking on those men. Nope.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently they, they do enjoy a delicious drunkard from time to time.
0: They're he like, doesn't. hey, those drunk
2: easy pickings, right? <laughs> <laughs> One source said that they will drain a person of their blood, but they uh, also enjoy... Uh, cons- uh. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> it's like kappa. Uh, they also enjoy consuming intestines and excrement. Uh, I can't. what the Poop, why do you eat poop? Why? Why? That was another thing like the backwards hands and feet, and then eating poop. I can't do it. Everybody's like, it's an evil thing. It must eat poop. Is that mm. gonna be like the way to tell something is evil is when it eats poop? Mysterious Universe says that these beings will lurk in graveyards and wait until just after dark. Then they'll basically tunnel down to a fresh body. So that they can have the freshest meal, as we know that they like to drain the body. Occult World, on the other hand, says that the Vitala will drop an enchanted rope down a chimney like a creepy ass Santa and then sneak into the home while people are sleeping, which is just terrifying. Mm-mm. That's that's almost vampire-like. Run-ins with these demons are said to leave, well, are said to lead to severe illness, miscarriages, and even madness. But this doesn't deter sorcerers who want to enslave them to gain access to their powers of sight into the past, present, and future.
0: What? Well, it just seems like something you wouldn't want to have around, especially if it's just like, "Let me eat your shit." It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Do you need a plate, or can I just drop it in the corner? Ew. The privy's been there. We'll wait here. See you in ten. <laughs> tell, me, tell me am I ever going to be rich. Please brush your teeth before you come back.
2: <laughs> your breath smells like shit. <laughs>
0: Ew. so nasty.
2: Ugh. People can protect themselves against Batala through prayers, chanting, gift giving, or by reinterring with like with the proper burial rites, the body of the child whose burial led to the manifestation. <laughs> manifestation. manifestation? <laughs> Thank you. Of the demon in the first place. Uh, I didn't find any associations of these creatures with any known animals. Uh, it doesn't appear that they were ever even remotely inspired by. By encounters with an actual a- animal that ever morphed into a cryptid, like we so often see that cryptids are inspired by real animals, but this one really doesn't. They have, they have, however, inspired a ton of pop culture. There's a lot of pop culture reference to these. There are loads of graphic novels and comics in India that involve or kind of revolve around the Dracula version of the Vitala, and it looks like a, like a, a Dracula Vitala hybrid, from what I could tell from the pictures and descriptions. I've not read them, so this is just kind of my perspective on what I saw based on these images online. But it's from what I understand, it's it's like Vitala, but looks like a Drek. I don't know. There is also a Disney Channel India show called Vicky and Vital from the early 2000s. I thought this was weird. In it, a sixth grade boy Vicky and a 300 year old ghost Vital somehow become tied to each other. Apparently, it was super popular. Vicky can see Vital, but I don't think that anyone else could see him. And in this version, Vital was a milk drinking spirit, he was not a blood drinker. Oh. So thanks, Disney. Disney cleaned it up. It's all
0: about that calcium.
2: People really liked it. When I was reading about this online, there were all kinds of forums and stuff talking about how much they loved Vicky and Vital. It was super popular. Vitala have also popped up in TV shows, including Jekyll and Hyde, Sleepy Hollow, and my personal fave, Supernatural. Jekyll and Hyde and Sleepy Hollow's depictions kind of take some artistic liberties. Their vitala do resemble the actual beings to some degree, though. Like if you look at them and kind of like the way they behave and their physical manifestation, they look like and behave like the Vitala, but Hollywoodized. However, Supernatural, Sally really missed the mark in this one. They were really only Vitala in name. The characters don't resemble the ancient demon of India at all. Do you remember the episode, Ashley, where the one girl's dad gets kidnapped and he's hunting the two like prostitute Vitala at a truck stop? Mm. No,
1: that one's not standing out, but... There are so many episodes.
2: Yeah. They were almost more like snake like. I think they had a venom almost to oh. them. Like. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. I think I do mm. remember that now that you said that they were snake like.
2: Yeah. So they weren't, they really weren't like the Vitala described from anything that I read, at least. I didn't think they sounded like Vitala and they didn't behave like Vitala, but that's what Supernatural called them. This, it seems like the fascination and belief in these beings has not waned over the past two millennia at all. And if anything, their popularity might be increasing, which I think is pretty cool. So, I I mean, I I did kind of a vampire character last month with the Yarmaya Who, and this is a really different take on vampires in India. Mm -hmm. We know that once we get to doing some stuff out of Europe, if I do any vampires there, they're really different. I think it's pretty cool to see all these different interpretations of vampires all over the world. Mm-hmm. So what what do you guys think of the Vitala? Mm.
1: I wish it wouldn't eat so much poop because I don't like that. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't like the backwards uh, hands and feet either. Why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. But I guess if it wants to inhabit people that are already dead, like, cool, have at it. <laughs> yeah. Like, just don't try to inhabit me, please. I'd like my hands and feet pointed the correct direction. Thanks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Agreed. <laughs>
2: Somebody wants to make some real money in real estate, and they just they put out all the bodies with for sale signs for the Vitala, like, vacant lot. Here's the newest model. <laughs> That's not twisted, Emily. Shut up. What are you talking about?
1: I mean, it's mm-hmm. less twisted than those people's limbs are about to be.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. That was good. <laughs> Gross. I hate me. <laughs> So did we have any, did you ladies have anything nice to talk about this time? Anything happy? Any good news? Anything weird?
1: I've got a weird thing, but I don't know that anyone's going to want to Hear about Now it. I want to hear it. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. all right Tell so me. Tell me. Tell me. I'll tell you. So when I was listening to, I think it was the actual episode, right? Because you sent the bloopers like later. So when mm-hmm. I was listening through the audio from the Australian episode, because we always listen through make to make sure everything sounds good, and then we're all on the same page because we're a team.
0: Um, (laughs) yeah we are we
1: sure are so I made a huge mistake and I was listening to this episode and I was like it's going to be totally fine if I just keep drinking my Red Bull like that's not a problem Uh, I was wrong about that because Lindsay, <laughs> and it's okay to say because it it's a callback because this is gonna come out way later. So <laughs> Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay makes a Helga Pataki drew, <laughs> and the, the thing is I forgot about it. Like we re- we record these and then like I forget what the exact Mm -hmm. content is of the episode like obviously i remembered the story but you don't remember all the little jokes that come out while you're doing it and so i took a drink at the wrong time (laughs) Um, so like oh and my dog does not like this story apparently (laughs) (laughs) because she
2: it's not about me stop
0: stop barking (laughs) (laughs) You're <laughs> like telling a story oh my, <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my god please shut up first of all i tried not to laugh because i had liquid in my mouth so, <laughs> so i clenched down you know what i mean like i clenched down hard and uh-huh. i tried not to laugh but i also couldn't swallow because i knew that i was gonna choke on it so i tried to <laughs> I tried to hold it in but then like a couple seconds after she says the thing about how the <laughs> I said I, I'm i like oh maybe they'll just call it a football head because, <laughs> because he doesn't love Hey Arnold and, and like here's the thing that was too much and I couldn't like I couldn't hold it anymore so two things happened simultaneously the first Oh no. <laughs> the first is that some of it shot out of my nose, which was like- <gasps> Oh, that had to burn. It was, it was probably one of the top like most painful things that ever happened because my nostrils were basically on fire. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. I made another bad decision because when I felt that starting to happen, I also tried to swallow it the same time. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no. I was like, it can't shoot up my nose. to swallow it. <laughs> And the end result The end result is that I ended up choking for like a really long time after that because I had managed to get enough of it like in my windpipe oh, i no. actually, like i actually could not draw a breath <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> for like a good 2 minutes oh, and it no. was really scary like it was really scary but it was also really funny after it was over so <laughs> cuz like the second that i started breathing again you know what you do you're like you're a little shook up cuz it was scary but then Like 30 seconds after it stopped, I started laughing again because, like, (laughs) how how many bad decisions can you make? (laughs) How many bad choices can you make in, like, a, I mean, less than 60 seconds? frame and the answer is a lot <laughs> So that's embarrassing but it's also really
2: funny That is really funny So Lindsay actually both of you are so funny that you nearly killed Ashley That's what happened here I'm sorry. Um, listen,
1: (laughs) if that's how I'm supposed to die, like, let it happen.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Went out on a high note.
1: (laughs) I mean, if I'm literally gonna die because something was too funny, I mean, all right with that, I guess, but like, it was, it was not a fun experience while it was happening, but now that it's over, it's like a really good freaking story.
2: (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I also feel bad for your nostrils. I had to burn <laughs> oh, no. like a oh, mother my God. coming out. Oh, my gosh.
1: Uh, it did not feel nice at all. Uh-uh. And it was like, I mean, it probably had to drink like almost an entire bottle of water until like everything in my throat and stuff got back to normal after that because it hurt like it was very sore in there for a while. No. But it's worth it because it's a good story now.
0: So so kids who are listening, don't snort Red Bull bad things will happen you'll don't, be full of regret
1: don't snort Red Bull and also don't try to put it in your lungs because it does not go there and it will not feel <laughs> nice
0: that's here that's our PSA for this episode
2: Red Bull is not high in oxygen content
0: <laughs> not meant for inhalation
1: no do not recommend zero out of ten stars
0: Kind of along that vein, I was listening to the episode, that same episode as well, when I was out walking my dog Kona. And there were definitely points during the walk where, and it was a really nice day. So there were other people like out and about walking in my neighborhood as well. And I live in a pretty, I don't want to say remote town, but it's I live in a very wooded area. There aren't a lot of people that go out in my neighborhood, but there's a decent amount of people that go out. So I'm walking along with Kona. And at one point, some part of the story just hit me really hard and I started like cackling out loud <laughs> and, um, which startled Kona for one because she wasn't expecting that <laughs> and then two I happened to like I had like stopped as I was laughing because I for some reason was like I need to stop and laugh instead of like walking and laughing because it looks better when you stop and laugh I guess <laughs> and uh, you, you look less insane if you just stand there and laugh that's not true it looks worse and I have to glance over and there's like an elderly couple that are like walking towards me in at that point and they're both like looking over at me and I was like ah. and I like pointed to my ears like I'm listening to something I'm not insane please do not call the local police on me <laughs> and they just kind of waved and like started walking faster which yeah. is there? <laughs> They're like, yeah, you're sure you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> out of here! <laughs> I'm Just like I'm embarrassed.
1: <laughs> oh my god, mom! How could you? <laughs> what
0: is wrong with you? This is why we can't have nice things.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness! That's amazing that you both had that much fun listening in that episode.
0: <laughs> it was you know a, good a good one.
2: episode. When? I was uh, actually, I re-listened to our episodes all the time because I find us hysterical and I love listening to you guys. I love listening to our stories. So I listen to us all the time and I was re-listening to the, the whole catalog and I came across the North American cryptids in which I was talking about... Mothman's Wings. I (laughs) actually have a correction on myself because I got all cocky and I thought I knew a whole bunch about insects, but I don't know that much about insects. (laughs) 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 And so my friend, I was talking, she came up to visit me from Texas and she's really into, she she collects insects. She's an amateur collector. She's an amateur entomologist. She was going to go into that for her PhD if she didn't get into toxicology. And so I was talking to her about, you know, how uh, moths are so often depicted with their wings straight up and I'm like that's stupid Moths have flat wings which is exactly what I said in the Mothman episode Moths, their wings like flat on their back and but other the butterflies are straight up she's like no and I was like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you know, most moths have them flat, but some of them have them straight out and it kind of depends on how they sit. And so I apologize, West Virginia <laughs> and Man, I was mistaken. I made a mistake and there's a little correction. I apologize. I, uh, you know, I, I put a few much, a, a little too much spice into my episode and. And and my pizza and I messed that one up. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes as a chef, you get a big head and you think you know everything. But yeah, you mess things up. So I was wrong. That was my little special thing for this week. Before we close up the restaurant for the night, uh, we're going to read a review from a very satisfied customer. This one is coming from Freddy91. He says, so much fun. Who knew creepy mythology could be so much fun? If you're a weirdo like me, this pineapple pizza is for you. The perfect mix of weird legends, history, stories, and crime. I love learning about legends I've never heard of before. The ladies have great chemistry and it doesn't feel too heavy. Perfect addition to a mostly true crime lineup in my library. Thanks, Freddie. Fun little factoid for our, our return customers, the people who keep coming back and, and trying another bite, Um, how we do the little question mark at the end. We actually just wrote that in and accidentally said question mark and, and then it just stuck because when <laughs> we were originally coming up with our closing, we were like, glad that you do um i don't know if this is a good closing i'll put a question mark at the end of it and then we just said it and went with it <laughs> so we are really glad that you keep coming back <laughs>
0: there is no question mark
2: <laughs> i hope that you guys enjoyed a delicious meal tonight i think it's about time to close the restaurant and i want to thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a slice of creepy indian cryptids pineapple pizza podcast sweet and cheesy not everyone understands our awesomeness but we're glad that you do question mark if you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us,
1: check out our tea Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice. Because we can never get enough
2: of basically anything,
1: if we're being honest.
2: If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. Benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget: the three dollar MythBuster, the seven dollar Cryptid Hunter, and the fifteen dollar Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away.
0: Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at pineapppizzaPod. That's pine a p p Pod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineapp pizzapod at gmail.com Don't forget A-P-P That's important. Thanks for stopping in for some
1: deliciously weird morsels and just remember no matter how you slice it
2: you're awesome
0: and we love you.